Hi everyone and welcome to this month's Influential Times Roundup. Uh, as usual, Tom and I are going to run through some of the big stories from the last month or so in the world of social. Uh, Tom is going to kick things off. Uh, you've got a story about a new feature on Twitter. Yeah, I have. It's it's a feature that we I think we touched on a few episodes ago, perhaps uh, I think it maybe towards the end of last year around downvoting. So we talked about across YouTube and also Twitter, and we did hear murmurs that they were going to potentially introduce a downvote button. That is something that has now happened. It's not available for all users, but certain users are now seeing the downvote button appear. It's effectively uh, an upside down arrow um, next to the like button. So you've got to be careful if you're liking or, or disliking something. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I guess so the, one of the interesting things about it, it's not going to be visible to authors or to users. So it's not it's not a way of sort of yeah saying that you that, you know you you really disagree with someone but it's more to i guess clear up the timeline and another interesting thing about it is it's only on replies and not original posts so i think what they're trying to do is to i don't know if you noticed it jack but you tend to see a lot of like spam and a lot of crap basically on replies to tweets um it'll allow users to almost kind of self-manage that um and sort of downvote on things that aren't relevant and aren't useful and Twitter can then gradually over time remove stuff that just isn't useful. Um, obviously, what some of the concerns that are coming out is that will this mean that people just pile in and start downvoting on things that they don't agree with, or you know, it can you know, I guess you could say it, it could you could um, try and silence you know marginalised groups and certain individuals on Twitter. So a few little concerns around it there, um, but general consensus is that it will it will help with um the quality of content on the platform so yeah i guess i think it's i think overall it's a, it's a good move jack yeah it, it kind of seems like it's it's focused around that moderation type you know concern and almost it's almost sort of helping people to self-moderate their own feeds and just indicate so it's almost more of a personalization play i guess you're right that you can still have that same behavior of people disliking things on mass or you know, even if even if just someone says something that's kind of you know for want of a better term an unpopular opinion um mm. that person might just end up sort of without knowing being muted and a lot of platforms have this sort of concept of shadow banning that's poorly understood it's not clear i think people use the term a lot and it's unclear whether something is going on in the background so i guess it kind of it does add to the sense that you're kind of not seeing a face value true life representation of what's being posted but more and more you're kind of seeing it a tailored version with with algorithms and, and sort of calculations being made that you can't see yeah isn't it it's a funny one isn't it because it, like are you going to be as motivated to downvote something that just isn't relevant versus something you like really strongly disagree with or like you say like an unpopular opinion because you yeah. know we see what happens on twitter it's quite a it can be quite an opinionated platform it's quite um, yeah it's feisty um yeah. <laughs> for sure it's kind of yeah where people who like to argue um often <laughs> often congregate so it may be that it kind of ends up just solidifying those yeah your you kind of bubble a little bit it, it's going to let users sort of slightly opt out of seeing things they don't like equally with all the with all the sort of testing twitter's been doing i think there's a fair amount of content from people you don't follow in the feed um that's a pretty common phenomenon and you know, maybe there's a good reason why you've decided not to follow someone and it might help you kind of clean, like you say, kind of clean your timeline up and just get rid of stuff you're not interested in. Um, so, 
as always, we'll have to wait and see, and everyone's answer will probably be completely different. You know, it might work quite well for some people. Um, I think if you're if you're subject to kind of large scale harassment, I don't know if this is necessarily going to be the the silver bullet. Um, so my first story this month is around uh, Facebook and Instagram's creator program. Um, parent company Meta have now clarified that they will not be introducing a kind of revenue share until 2024. So essentially they're, they're putting off another by another, at least another year and a half, kind of collecting any share of creators income that they get from, um, from posting uh, through the sort of official revenue share um, model. So there's kind of, I suppose there's, there's two ways you could, you could really interpret this. You could, you could think of this as, um, you know, they're just, they want to drive more, uh, more people to, to take up the feature. I sort of feel a little more cynical about it and think this is maybe a little bit of an admission of defeat. And we've seen lots of these creator programs and indeed actually across vast swathes of, you know, subscription businesses and, and businesses that rely heavily on people to, to log in. We've kind of seen companies essentially using cash incentives to try and get people to use something. And then, uh, and then they sort of keep putting off the point at which they, are going to try and monetize that because there's not enough people using it and maybe the sums don't quite add up to where it's profitable for them. And I wonder if there's a little bit of that going on. Like maybe they can kind of see that the usage numbers are not big enough for the economies of scale to work. So they're sort of putting it off. That's, yeah, that's my cynical interpretation. I don't know. Do you think that is that kind of too conspiracy theory or? Mm. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, clearly there's, they've got to drive people away from TikTok and onto their own platform, haven't they? That's got to be the big, the big reason. Um, got to get people to make reels somehow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Just giving them cash seems to be, seems to be the method they've settled on. Nothing else, mm, nothing else is working. Yeah. Yeah. It seems that way. Uh, but I, th I think it's, yeah, it's a pretty tough one going up against TikTok. It seems But who knows what, what it'll be like in a couple of years time. TikTok's being recycled on on Reels. That that part of the economy yeah. is still going very strongly. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I saw as well that they're sort of building out uh, tools like more editing tools, and they've essentially given in and sort of made the Reels editing tools like TikToks. Yeah, it does look very similar, doesn't it? I was the, the whole thing, whole platform. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. But I've definitely been scrolling Instagram at times and sort of found myself almost involuntarily watching Reels. And like it feels like the UI is very much trying to persuade me to scroll and, and to start just sort of looking through stuff. Um, mm. It sort of feels like you're being pushed that way. I think Adam Masseri said they were going to sort of take all of the different video products and try and simplify it a bit. So in some ways, it kind of makes sense that if you just go, if you post a video, you've basically done a reel. Congratulations, you're doing it. And then you can turn to you know, investors or whoever and say loads of people are using reels. Um, yeah. by just getting rid of kind of video uploads or IGTV. They had all those like different yeah. versions of the same thing. It kind of makes sense to consolidate at least into you're either uploading a reel or you're doing a live and those mm. are kind of the video options. So yeah, maybe maybe they're waiting for that to, to kind of fully kick in and people get used to that, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, so for, from the from the world of kind of consumer facing stuff with Instagram, you have got a story about LinkedIn's creator features. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, again, something we've been touching on for a while uh, is LinkedIn and how they're sort of driving creators. And obviously they do have their creator mode now. I haven't actually switched it on myself. I'm not quite sure. 
Um, I haven't quite ventured into that yet, but I probably should soon. Um, but it does feel like there's a lot more functionality now coming in for that for the creator mode. So one of the big things which we've talked a lot about on this is um, the audio, live audio events, which they obviously rolled out earlier in the year. Um, and, and now they're actually rolling out to anyone effectively who has creator mode switched on. So it's quite a simple criteria now. You just have to have it switched on. You've got to have 150 um, followers at least. So I guess it just stops people like, you know, spinning up random accounts and um, stuff like that, like bot accounts, etc. You have to have recently shared some content. You've got to have a good history of abiding by community policies. So all pretty good rules there. Um, so yeah, I think uh, this makes a lot of sense. They're obviously adding more into the creator mode and making it more appealing. There's also going to be things like um, newsletter publishing. There's also, you can create a profile video, which obviously a lot of people are doing now, which can make your profile more uh, interesting. And you can also get good, uh, much deeper post analytics as well. So um, they've actually had a pretty good uptake. Um, so since uh, it launched, since creator mode launched, which was in actually in March 2021, they've had 5.5 million members have switched on the feature and actually they've seen a 30% increase in engagement from those users so as in sorry those users have seen a 30% increase in engagement on their posts so yeah it seems like a, a pretty good pretty good feature to me I guess it's it's maybe evidence of two different ways of enticing users to a new feature I think maybe in a sort of consumer facing situation where your creators are you know they're talking about sort of direct consumer facing products, issues, topics, whatever you want. Their expertise is maybe in something, you mm. know, generalized and available to the world. Maybe cash transfers works better. Whereas there's a sense on LinkedIn that the exposure and the visibility, even if they're slightly artificially just jacking up those people's engagement, you know, there's yeah. no reason they can't do that. Um, maybe yeah. that functions as a way to kind of get people to adopt it and you get people used to it and potentially in future then it becomes a subscription feature or you add new things and sort of keep adding functionality to let people subscribe but um i think it's quite cool though because i think what it's done now is it's you 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 always can have people who use linkedin just to ha as a as a job platform or to have their sort of work history on there or they'll look for jobs through there but then there's obviously clearly going to be another set of people who want to use it as a as a platform to engage people to post content more of the creator as an influencer so I guess it's making that kind of divide a bit and giving those people who want to be more creative a lot more a lot more they can do which is quite cool rather than just being a job platform yeah absolutely and i think like you say the sort of the audio platform is just rounding out that portfolio of things um like uh, you know clubhouse clubhouse sort of came onto the scene and, and feels like it's really struggled since but in some ways it's kind of just a little bit of a victim of its own success isn't it in that the format I think will always appeal to an extent like kind of being able to just spin up live audio using it, it almost as functionality makes more sense for people with an existing profile somewhere else yeah to just go right well I've got you know for example 5,000 LinkedIn connections if 10% of those or 1% of those even just want to kind of listen to me talk about stuff you can kind of still have a little bit of a conversation um with the super fans and, and kind of not everything has to become the like dominant feature that everyone's using all the time but it can still have its place as part of a um you know i, I see kind of live news type accounts using it a lot like publications newspaper yeah um accounts will sometimes kind of just spin up a 
like a live audio on Twitter, a, a space. Yeah. If there's a big news event, you know, as we have in the UK today, if you want to sort of hop on and people can listen to some journalists talking about it, that seems like a pretty solid use case. Um, yeah. If people can't wait for for their favourite podcast to come out and they kind of want to hear, you know, in the heat of the moment what's going on, then all power yeah. to them. I can't help but um, see the uh, the Love Island space that pops up every night at about 10 p.m. Uh, oh, seems is like there a lot... like a di- there's like a discussion yeah. space. I haven't been on it myself, but it feels like it seems like a lot of people join it. Okay. <laughs> Pretty yeah, big community. Haven't, haven't been on it that you're willing to admit on the podcast anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking speaking of uh, things things that are very successful, um, this month, Sheryl Sandberg stood down or sort of announced that she'll be standing down as COO of Meta. Um, it's kind of hard to think of like an executive at any major social media company who's had as much impact, especially without being one of the founders. Um, but you could almost sort of view her as like the founder of the modern Facebook, the way that it sort of exists, its business model, its operating practices all seems to really flow from her. And it's obvious that she's had an incredibly close relationship with Mark Zuckerberg and kind of acting as her right hand. And I think will always be seen as the person who was kind of the first of the or the first person to sort of successfully bring in the grown-ups, as it were, to Facebook. It had seen this meteoric rise. It was very, you know, clearly growing fast, but she kind of maybe professionalized uh, and I think will sort of be remembered uh, in that way, sort of good for, for good or bad as well. You know, some of the things that might be, that people might not agree with about Facebook's policies often have kind of, um, you know, been perceived to, to come via her. Um, but it, you know, it comes at a time when Facebook's clearly, I think, experiencing some really, really major headwinds. I think they've even said to employees, there was a recent communication to employees basically saying the business is, or meta, you know, that the sort of whole company is, is experiencing serious headwinds. Facebook, the platform, is clearly struggling to keep younger people. It's become associated with kind of conspiracy theories and radicalization, um, a sort of older audience. Um, and lots going on in these sort of big closed Facebook groups. Um, so yeah, you sort of, it's also made all of its money off advertising and, mm. and with sort of Apple bringing in these new privacy controls, you, you start to think, is that really going to affect that sort of ad based revenue model? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how, how you kind of see the path ahead in now that she's, yeah gone. it's an interesting one isn't it um it's not i guess it's not always a bad thing sometimes it's good to have that that change in, within the organization i guess there's a lot a of long big time it's been a long time there's things have changed there's a lot of things there's obviously like the metaverse now and there's all sorts of like i don't know newer sort of things that that need to be tackled and i guess it's not always not always a bad thing to have perhaps a fresh fresh face in that part of the organization yeah yeah, and you can sort of see the influence of other execs growing. Uh, the UK's very own Nick Clegg, I think, is now sort of seen as quite an influential figure at sort of senior management levels. Uh, I think he's, what, the VP of Global Affairs or, or something like that. Maybe he's had a title change since then, but yeah. Um, we'll see. So from uh, from the very serious matter of one of the most uh, highly valued companies in the world to your final story, uh, back to LinkedIn. 
Yeah, I guess a fairly fairly light-hearted one to finish off uh, is that the the funny emoji has been launched on LinkedIn. Um, it's like a re- it's a reaction that you can get. Yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah. obviously they they I'm trying to think when they launched the reactions probably a couple of years ago, maybe even longer. But um, yeah, there's an extra reaction which is the funny emoji, and a, you know clearly it's the, it allows you to, to express that a post has made you laugh, and it's, it's you know it's some light-hearted fun right in a professional context. Um, but I think, yeah, LinkedIn are trying to stress the professional context, context part because, you know, they have recognised the increase of, of memes and, I guess, non-business related posts cropping up in the feeds. Um, but, you know, they have had record levels of engagement over the past couple of years. So clearly people don't mind that that's cropping up in the feeds. Um, so, yeah, I think if used in the right way and if it doesn't, you know, create more spam within the feeds, then I think it's uh, it's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Yeah, it's 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 always a tricky balance, isn't it? I you know, I find when we're talking to clients, you'll often we we might often stress that just being a hundred percent serious and a hundred percent business all the time, you know, sometimes can can be can come across as a little robotic and there's nothing wrong with kind of occasionally talking about sort of something personal or, or sort of raising raising things like that. They've they've kind of LinkedIn have announced some changes, didn't they, to sort of try and discourage almost kind of engagement farming type tactics where people would sort of put up a poll and say like it, it would be you know like like for work from home you know clap emoji yeah. for uh, go back to the office um so i think there's nothing wrong with giving people the option as you say and the people who use it responsibly will you know like you I said, think there's, it, yeah, there's different it, types of users on LinkedIn as well. Some people are just there. Yeah, I think it just scroll a bit. It serves to just encourage some light-hearted fun in the professional context, which I guess in isn't a bad thing, right? Because, like you say, yeah. it shouldn't always be serious all the time. Yeah, um, and I think you know m- most people I I um, you know have in my sort of within my connections generally tread the line fine, and it's just. Um, you know, maybe 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 they'll end up in a position like Twitter, where you're kind of almost looking for downvote type features, like a sort of non-public. Like, I don't want to see too much of this because mm. I think sometimes you can it can feel like I felt at times like there's maybe a little bit of, you know, I'm getting a lot of kind of non completely non-work related stuff, and ultimately it's not the end of the world. You know, you yeah, can always, you can always close the tab and go do something else. If I mean, my that's my, saying, but. my favorite page on LinkedIn is the Daily Sales. I don't know if you followed that page, but they put on some pretty funny sales memes, um, which are very enjoyable. So, I think the funny emoji will be definitely in use for some of those. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and a little bit of that never uh, never hurt anyone. Um, so that is it. That is the end of this month's roundup. Uh, newsletter will be hitting your inboxes. Um, well, by the time you're reading this. Um, it may already have done so. Uh, so we will see you again next month for another roundup. So uh, until then. Does it wrong? <laughs>